Welcome to a special episode of the She Ventures Now podcast. This podcast episode is brought to you by Uncaged with RobinAnn.com, where virtuous women dominate in purpose, passion, and purity. Tired of being sabotaged by perfectionism and procrastination? Finding it hard to focus on one thing long enough to make real progress? Ready to do whatever it takes to get that passion project done? Then the Women Who Finish 40-Day Devotional book is for you. In this book, Robin Ann coaches you through mindset shifts to fulfill God's call in your life and truly harness your ability to finish what you start instead of feeling stuck and frustrated with where you are. Get your devotional book now at robinann.com forward slash IG. Upgrading your career. And I want to ask you, how have you factored money into your career upgrade? In this second episode, we're talking about mindset to money moves. If you're working a traditional corporate job, you may or may not know the strategies to increase your paycheck. Well, there's a bunch. I've had to own up to the fact that when you're talking about salary, it's all a game. And just like any sport, you have to play play by the rules, even if they're unspoken, to get what you want. In addition, I've had to learn to let go of any thought, behavior, or idea that was limiting my potential to be wealthy. In my own personal relationship with God and personal development, making money moves has involved me searching the Bible for what it says about wealth, reading books like Thou Shalt Prosper, You Squared, or Thinking Grow Rich for me to develop a more abundance mindset in my life. And that's what I want to approach this next episode with. While you're on your journey of making money moves, make sure you get exposed to people that support you. Here's part two of the Career Empowerment Roundtable with Danielle Yodale and Candace Washington with Mindset to Money Moves. Ladies, we are back for part two, and I am as ecstatic as ever. We're talking about mindsets to money moves. Hey, yes. Yes. Money moves, yes. Yes, yes. Love it. So the whole, you know, the whole theme of this segment is strategies for greater income. It's specifically identifying the strategies you implemented in your own life and maybe you are in the middle of implementing um, to get to the next financial milestone. Um, I think it's really important to, I mean, I, I, this goes without saying, but it's the, you know, just as an intro and a segue, I think it's really important to talk about ways in which we've won, like we've won in an area um, that moved the needle in our finances, because a lot mm-hmm. of times I think it's very easy to just keep talking about the work, right? Like mm-hmm. there's work to be done and look at me, I'm working, but it's like, listen, <laughs> we need to really, and I'm, I'm saying this for myself, I'm really preaching to myself, <laughs> we really need to focus on what gets us more economically advanced, you know? Uh-huh. So I read some statistic the other day that was heart-wrenching, and it was like, um, Black women in America, and this is not our necessarily demographic, but it was Black women in America are still, um, I don't remember the exact percentage, or the highest number of women living at the poverty line and I'm just like mm. that's just not mm. yes ridiculous yeah mm. it's it's it doesn't make sense to me so I want to jump into it first question to you Danielle all right um, you are a resume expert resume auditor um, yes. 
Is it fair to say you think there's a difference between resumes of six-figure salary earners and non? You know what? Actually, I would say there isn't much of a difference. So every single resume is different in its own right and unique in its own right. The If I were to try to identify a difference, maybe someone who's at a six-figure um, level has a two-pager just because they have more experience. Like right. most people coming right out of college aren't going to be making six figures, right. but there's no special formula or strategy that's any different for a six-figure resume than someone who is coming right out of school. The most important thing that still matter in a resume are that you are positioning yourself well for the job that you want and that you are providing concrete experiences, um, concrete examples of your um, accomplishments, your achievements, and the value that you have brought to the employers that you worked for. Mm -hmm. So no matter where you are, salary range rise, you need to have that on your resume. That's the most important. Nice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Candice, yes. in our discussions, there were two things that really piqued my interest. Mm -hmm. The concept of influencing up, you mentioned that in our previous segment as well, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. understanding what marketplace skills are. Mm -hmm. um, describe how those two concepts relate to getting greater financial compensation. Well, first of all, like when we talk about influencing up, we're talking about, you know, the, the, the effect that you have, you know, on, on senior leaders and peers and things like that, that, you know, are, are able to influence them, but not with force, right? So strategically, you know, how you're, how you're using, you know, your communication, um, your, how you're building trust with people and understanding their needs, I think that is a part of influencing up. Like if you're working with, you know, a manager and, and, and you have a director or a manager when you first come out into your career, Influence up is important or having that skill, you have to start with understanding, you know, that particular manager. What are their particular needs? What are their pain points? Because you, anything that you can do to work with them to understand their mindset and where what, what gaps exist and how you can, you know, fill those gaps and add value with your skills are ultimately hugely important in your ability to accelerate your success in the organization and because once you if you are there you know if you make my life easy you know as your manager i'm going to love you i'm going to go to bat for you i'm going to you know put you up for promotion and be your sponsor in a way because i have that influence that danielle and you know speaking of and i want to connect you with my networks and ultimately your ability to add value is connected you know with those skills that we talk about that sometimes people just don't tell us about when yeah, we get yeah. into the organization. So the quicker that we're able to, you know, come in, effect change, influence up, that actually helps us along our career journey to accelerate our success. And success usually for people means advancement and more money, more money, more money, right? <laughs> we want some more money, <laughs> some more money. So that, those skill sets are very important because as you're navigating, it's no longer acceptable to just come in the workforce and be good at your job. You have to focus on advancement. What are those skills that are going to set you apart so that when it's time for promotion and those talks are being had, you know, your voice comes across, your name comes across the table and no one yeah. else. Yeah. 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 Y
That's good. I have a question. It's a little bit off script, but I have a question for you both. Do you think that you can influence, you can be so influential at your job that you you sort of advance quicker beyond the, the, the state. You know how every fiscal year has a stage where they're looking at, they're doing the reviews for promotion. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's possible to promote yourself in a way or influence up in a way where you're advancing more quicker than the average person or the norm? Oh yeah, certainly. So oh, go ahead, Danielle. It looks like you were going to say something. Go ahead. No, so I will say that I think it's possible. There are some organizations that are starting to shift how they pay people a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll just drop that nugget because this is, this is kind of new and it's something that I'm just learning about, especially as we're in this place where, you know, we're trying to get to equal pay for everyone. Yeah. So some organizations are starting to put policies in place where, you know, here is the set range. Here are the responsibilities and the level of work um, that is attached to that range. So that way um, it's not unfair and someone isn't making six figures mm -hmm. doing that job while someone else in the same job is only making, you know, a, a, a much lower amount. So that has that type of thing has its pros and its cons. So I will say that it depends on how the organization is set up as a whole. Um, but otherwise, it is absolutely possible to influence, advance, using sponsorship um, in order to, you know, make more more money on the job. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Can if I can, if I can, if yeah, if I can add to, I think one of the important nuggets that I took away at the start of my career as well, um, making sure that you're visible. Right. So, Danielle, you spoke about how your sponsor came in and made sure that you knew the formula, you know, who you needed to be, who you needed to talk to, who you needed to be positioned in front of and making sure that you're advocating for yourself. You know, yeah. along the way. people. Yeah. People are aware of the value you're adding. And one of the big things that I think helped to influence that is getting on the right projects in many cases or, you know, taking the right, you know, position and opportunity. I remember at the start of my career, um, I went through this marketing rotational program for the first year and I had the opportunity to choose um, between like my, my top five, you know, in that rotation. And because I was all giddy about, you know, um, advertising, I chose advertising, but there was another um, department that was a, for new product development. And if you think about what organizations, like how they thrive and how they're going to um, flourish throughout, you know, the business cycle new product and design, they have to be innovative. So strategically thinking about what projects I'm, I'm, am I going to take on? What, what team should I be on to gain more visibility? Because if you're, if you're in those spaces, then more than likely, I think you can advance your career. You can, you know, um, you can be you know, more visible in the process and, you know, gain more salary, you know, gain salary increases along the way that way also, because you are more visible. That's a great point. And so I want to I um, not play devil's advocate, but I really want to inspire the women who are shy, who are, and I mean, we all kind of have moments where we, we shrink back. We shrink, we shirk mm -hmm. responsibility mm -hmm. instead of asserting ourselves. And again, this comes down to um, having the practical tools to learn how to communicate and knowing how to be strategic, something that I'm always trying to learn to do better. Um, but what do you say to the small voices that are in, I think, some of our minds that says, don't don't um don't ask for too much or don't 
being mm. bossy or don't, don't, um, don't be too ambitious. If that makes any sense. Cause I think it there's does. a measure of us that have to learn how to be business women, like clever, strategic, assert ourselves and not second guess ourselves is what I guess what I'm getting to. Yeah. Now, what, what would you say to those women who are struggling with asserting themselves? I believe that you have to understand that it might feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and be okay with it feeling uncomfortable. So whenever I'm in a position where I am negotiating my salary, I have to say to myself, okay, you know, this is the money talk. This is the money conversation. It's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel uncomfortable. Like anytime you bring up money, it just does. But facts are facts are facts are facts. And here are the facts. This is the value that I offer. This is the experience that I have. This is what I can do and will do for the organization. Yes. And here is what my market rate is. Here is what other companies are paying for this job. And when you put all those things together, that's something that can't be disputed, even if it just feels awkward to have mm-hmm. that conversation. So we can't lowball ourselves just because um, it, it's uncomfortable to talk about. The right. facts are the facts. Yes. You know, and so you have to still bring that up regardless. And I've I've worked with a number of women who have admittedly lowballed themselves um, just because well they were afraid they might lose the opportunity or they just didn't want to you know push or ask for more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I have to agree. I think that you know for me you know it was it was as I gained more experience in my career, that's when I gained a little bit more confidence to negotiate my salary. But when I thought about it, I was like, oh, I should have been asking for this all along. Because once I started to do the research, you know, to successfully, you know, you know, win in the negotiation, or at least start the process, I became more confident. So yeah. recognize that, you know, it may be uncomfortable, but practice kind of makes perfect, you know, and you're not going to always get, you know, necessarily what, what you want, but you have to start somewhere. And if you don't ask in some, in some situations, you know, it it can look less favorable on you because it looks like you're just going to take what you get, you know, but assert yourself, like you said, and, and realize that it's uncomfortable. And I can't say more, just like you mentioned, Danielle, do like, as you mentioned, do your research, do your homework, you know, know what, is out there mm-hmm. and then you're more confident and you're positioned to have that conversation because yeah. you know the problems you solved in the past within your organization if you've gotten to the place where they offer you the job they want you yeah and, yes. and yeah and, and i would say as well think about the package that's involved also um so there, there's other ways you know for compensation other than just the dollar Right. So think about the package that's involved, what your flex time looks like, you know, what else you can negotiate, what does your PTO look like, different things like that. So but ultimately, yes, negotiate for sure. I just got to start listening to you talk about, you know, asserting yourself, especially around salary. Danielle, even with what you said, um, what I liked about it is you demystified it. Right. And you talked about at the end of the day, it is facts that we're talking about. At the end of the day, yeah. it's your experience that you're bringing to the table mm-hmm. and point. I want to talk about specifically salary negotiation and hit it on the head. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Uber. Uber's chief brand officer, her name is, uh, I believe her name is Bozomo St. John. I love her. She's so awesome. She's just like, 
professional black girl, just yes. black girl magic, awesomeness. <laughs> magic. Yeah, she is getting no it for shame, sure. Bold, unapologetic, out here. Love yes. Her. So she did an interview with Gail King on CBS and mm-hmm. basically Gail King was, was talking to her about, you know, what's your advice on salary negotiation? And she was like, go high. Basically she was like, <laughs> go high as hell. In fact, is what she said. <laughs> um, she, Danielle, you mentioned you've successfully negotiated your salary five times over. So I consider you an expert at this. And I really <laughs> love the, 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 the fact that you already demystified elements of salary negotiation, but I want to just ask, you know, Again, what are some other essential factors, if you haven't already said them, essential factors that women need to nail down? Like, even if it's, because um, you said this, like, hey, I'm about to do the money talk. Take us to when you do the money talk, Danielle. Literally. Okay. What okay. are you doing? What are you saying to yourself? What are you um, politically having to be aware of? Tease that out a little bit for us. So first, I have to really think about what, what is it that I'm currently making? What do I actually need to make to survive day to day, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's the current amount I'm making, then that, that's somewhat of a starting point. Then I have to look at what am I bringing to the table? What are they asking me to do? And how much is that worth? What is the market paying for that? And that's what helped me comes up with, come up with the overall range. Mm-hmm. Now, with Roma, one thing that she said about you know, going high as hell, I think that's strategy. And when you go into this, you have to ask yourself, do I want to come in at the exact range and fall somewhere in between that? Or do I go a little bit more? And I think that just depends on the the company. Like, you know who the employer is and whether or not you think they have the the money in the bank to to do that kind of thing. Do you go a little bit more? Like, Uber probably has the money, okay? A little bit more and then maybe fall higher or fall at the top of the range that you present. So that's just, that's just strategy. Right. Um, so those are some of the things that, that I think about. I'll share a quick story with you. Absolutely. Um, one of the times that I successfully negotiated my salary, um, I shared with the recruiter what I, he made the offer, right? He extended the offer. He said, we'd love for you to have the job. Here's what the, the compensation is. And I told him, that's not going to work for me here's the amount that I want. And I gave him that range. And he immediately said, oh, that, that seems kind of that high. Um, I don't think they're gonna go for that. So he basically was saying no, but I knew that it wasn't his decision to make. Right. Yes. He's just, he's just the middleman. Now, had I not been in a place where I was determined to ask for more, I would have just accepted his answer and been like, okay, well, I'll, I'll take what you offer. But I was prepared with the research and with a script on why I was asking for more. And I said to him, I understand that that might seem high to you, but here's why I want you to go back to the hiring team and request this amount. Here's what I offer. Here's what I bring. Here's what the market is paying. And I went through the whole script. And after I said that to him, he said, okay, well, I could at least ask. Yes. (laughs) You can at least ask. And so he went back with arms with all the information I gave him. He asked and he came back and he said, they have agreed and they'll meet you at that offer. They said, yes. That's awesome. And I I appreciate you lending that story to help other people understand. It's not just you came out the womb with confidence and was like, I could do salary negotiations. It's something that it's a skill. You have to practice it. 
You have to learn to be strategic. Sometimes you have to Google how are other people doing it and understand that at the end of the day, there are gatekeepers to this thing that really don't have any authority about how much you should be paid. Right. Yes. I easily could have become scared when he said, oh, no, that's too much, you know, and just been like, oh, okay, well, then I'll just stick with it. But no, you're not the decision maker. I need you to go back and ask. And if they come back and say no, then fine. But go ask. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to spend a little bit more time on this because I know a lot of people struggle with this. I've had people come to me, ask me questions, and I've been waiting for this roundtable for us to talk about this liberally. You know, I think that there's um, a case to be made for us to understand the politics of salary negotiation because a lot of this stuff is mindset shifts, right? And um, one of the things I've found is this whole idea of defending the organization from paying too much, like they don't have enough money. These organizations have money. <laughs> Buku money. You know what I mean? It just, in some ways, I'm like, you know, the, the reason they can put out a job requisition is because they have money. Exactly. Stuff. And I have grown in my own cultural, social awareness about companies um, lowballing in an effort just to see what they can get for a certain range yeah. Really, the market rate for a job is, you know, six figures or whatever, you know what I mean? Or even maybe close to six figures. I want to ask you guys, what are some other mindset shifts around salary negotiations? They aren't necessarily strategy. It's like, you need to know that one, like for example, Danielle, I think hearing that the recruiter is not the decision maker, we need to have the mindset that you're talking to people who are not decision makers. That's one. right. Two, right. I feel like mindset shift that I just talked about is, these companies have a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like that's a mindset shift. Three, I think that is helpful to one of the, the, the stories, the, the things that I've had to grow into and mature into about salary negotiation is that um, these companies have pain points that they're not having somebody fill. Like they don't want to do it. They don't uh-huh. want to do the work. They're not the expert at the work. They just want the work to be done. So it's mm-hmm. like, if you don't have confidence that's a big deal breaker. Yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like you can't even come into the salary negotiation room because you might not get there if you don't have confidence that you can fulfill their need and, and sort of eradicate their pain point. Does that make sense? I, yes, I get what yeah. you're saying. It's like yeah, if you can't be confident about your value and about your passion on, on eliminating a pain point, you're going to mess up in the salary negotiation point. Mm-hmm. So I just, is there any other mindset shifts around salary negotiation you feel like it's something you're implementing, but you're probably not even conscious of it because you've been doing it already all the time? One thing, one mindset shift that I had to personally make was the fear of if I ask for more and they say no, or they think I want too much, they might walk away Mm -hmm. and I will lose the job opportunity. That's good. And really, I think that's an irrational fear. Most times an employer, when they're extending you that offer, it means they now want you. So this is the perfect opportunity for you to have that conversation. These companies and recruiters have gone through so many candidates and so much work to finally land at someone that they want in that role that they don't want to start over. Right. So most of them are very open and willing to have that conversation. Yes, let's negotiate. What would it take, Gayon, to get you here? How much do you need? You know, what what would it take to make that work for you? Because I don't want to go back, post another requisition, go through another hundred resumes and have to interview people all over again to get to this point. 
So I had to shift my mindset from being afraid that I would lose the job to understanding that they're offering me this because they really do want me. And this is the perfect time for me to have the conversation. Great point. Great mindset. Candice, do you have any you want to share? I would just, I think that confidence is key. And when you guys have touched on that already, you know, you, you, you have to know your worth and you have to go in there understanding that if, if, if you want me, we're going to make this work. I think Danielle has absolutely great points about that. Um, I even heard people and we talk about this, this, this negative self-talk or, um, a number of these things, but we, we, we do it to ourselves. Like we lowball ourselves. Right. So mm-hmm. I, for example, I, I had a friend recently who um, was taking a, a consultant role and well, it, it was a consultant role, but it was, it was through an agency. So she was going to receive an actual salary mm-hmm. and she, what ended up happening was she was saying that, Oh, well, I think that my salary, you know, that is too high and they were they were pushing back on her and she said, well, maybe I should just take the lower salary because then if I take the higher salary, you know, they're going to they're going to expect me to be available all the time and work extra hard and, you know, take take calls from the beach with my family and, and you know, a number of things like that. But what I really told her in that moment, I said, you have extremely great work ethic. And it's not about what they require you, you know, to do. It's about your worth in general. And it doesn't necessarily you have to mean you have to take calls from the beach with your family and all those other things set, you know, in those situations, because sometimes companies go, you know, a little bit over the line. But, you know, you set boundaries, but ultimately you come in the door knowing the problems that you solved in, in the past, the value you add, and you're worth that. Yeah. So... At bare minimum, going in, understanding that, you know, you bring something to the table and they'll be willing to pay for it. Right. Right. Do you feel, Candice, especially with your breadth of experience, do you feel that companies really do lowball, uh, especially women dominated industries or women dominated um, positions? Do you think they lowball? I do. I do. I think that, you know, it depends on how you look at it in some situations. I think that, you know, because of the market and the way it's been, you know, in recent years, people sometimes feel that you need to take what you can get. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've all been through that, you know, those market challenges. But again, it comes back to what you're worth and doing your research and doing your homework. Because they have the money, downturn, downshift in the economy or not, like <laughs> they can get it, and they're large corporations for a reason, you right, know. Right. And um, ultimately, even during you know the the economic struggles and and things like that 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 our nation went through, um, I was still negotiating during that time. And because my philosophy is, if you don't ask, you know, or or if you or I should say, if you ask, the worst they can do is say no. And then we move on, you know, but at least you have made the ask because if you don't, you always wonder what if. So I do think that a bit of of a low balling takes place, but um, I think that you start with your salary, you, you, you stay firm with that, you know, you, but you can, there can be some wiggle room when we talk about, you know, what is the package? What does the ultimate package look like? So consider those things, you know, like the flex time we, we spoke about and the paid time off and you, so what your vacation is going to look like and work from home options and how does that overall package look like? 
um, compared, you know, from one company to another. So if they are low, low balling you, you know, there may be something else that make them, you know, make them rise to, um, you know, rise to the top of your list, you know, if there, if there's additional value that they add. Did you guys ever have experience where um, the hiring manager pushed back on the salary you asked for and then you came back and negotiated on something else? Did you ever have, did you guys have like a specific time where maybe you guys met in the middle on the salary and then you also asked for something more specific? Maybe it was flex time, maybe it was work from home. How did that experience go? I have, um, I've had an experience where I negotiated, um, what the word is escaping me, relocation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was moving um, because the employer was aware that I was already in the process of moving, like I was getting married and I was moving back to Chicago, they had not offered me relocation, right? Because it was like, oh, well, she's already moving. It's not like we recruited her from Alabama and asked her to come here. And so we have to pay her relocation. So I brought it up and mentioned it and requested relocation. And um, they, they provided that to me. There have also been times where I've asked for a sign-on bonus mm -hmm. and they gave me the sign-on bonus. That is just a one-time thing, of course. Um, but other than that, when I've asked for the number that I wanted, um, each of those five times they have actually met me there, which I think is very encouraging because, you know, we're always afraid that they're going to say, oh no, I can't do that. But in the, they've, they've, met me there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've had situations where, you know, um, just, just like, you know, we, we were talking about going high, going high as hell, but <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know if I've necessarily gone high as hell, but I have gone high before. And the strategy around me doing that is because I knew, you know, Danielle, you spoke about know what, know what you need to bring in, you know, um, on an annual basis to, to live, you know, the lifestyle you want exactly. And so I knew that the number that I gave them, I already knew if you, if you meet me halfway, we're, we're both winning, you know, we're both winning. So I knew that to go higher so that I can still be satisfied and comfortable with the salary that they would provide me. And so, you know, one time I went about $8,000 high, they met me at that $4,000 mark in the middle. And I knew that that's where, you know, I wanted to be satisfied with that opportunity. There was another opportunity where um, I asked for um, an increase in salary and they only went up maybe a thousand or so dollars, which at the end of the day doesn't seem like a whole lot. But I know sometimes that base salary, people think it's so important because that's what's going to determine like your increases will be based on that particular dollar amount thereafter, right? Once you're in the door. Um, but what I negotiated was that, you know, instead of a six month, not a six month, but a, um, but a one year performance review, we will review my performance at six months. And it was already like a three month probation period, but we would look at my performance at six months. And at that point, I would be eligible for a percent increase based on the role and my performance. But I knew the value that I added and what I plan to get in there and do and, and influence and add value from the moment I stepped in the door. And so that confidence was there to be able to say, hey, you know, at that six month mark when I was there, hey, you know what? And, and I also have them put it in writing. And that's important. Yes. They put it in writing in my offer letter that we would be reviewing that at six months. And at six months, I was able to get a performance increase. That is awesome. <laughs> 
You know, you bring up a great point about bonus, bonus structure or fee structure there. Have you guys negotiate, how do you guys negotiate your bonus plan, right? Because a lot of times they kind of provide their idea of what is a bonus or an incentive plan. And I have found sometimes it's not even incentivizing my position or my work. How do you guys create your own bonus plan or even offer them an idea of your bonus plan? That's something I actually have not done, but mm-hmm. to do that, I would say a lot of people don't ask um, what the, the company's bonus plan is. So you definitely just want to ask upfront for the details of it. Mm-hmm. You might want to also ask for examples of, um, you know, or to give the, give you a percentage of how many people have been able to achieve this, mm-hmm. um, you know, over the last year, because honestly, that's something a company should be proud to share. You know, know, 80% of our employees were able to, you know, receive this bonus last year. So those are important numbers for you to know. And if it doesn't work for you, I would say come up with what it is and just put it out there and ask and see if they can meet you there. Mm -hmm. Candice, Mm -hmm. I really love your example of how you um, negotiated that six month evaluation period for um, an increase. And so that's something I would, um, you know, recommend as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I would say as well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I haven't had like a bonus plan conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, you know, echo everything that Danielle has said for sure, because I think that companies should offer that information um, freely and, and, and should be proud of it if, if they have a solid bonus plan. And again, I am always area on the area on the, on the side of, you know, just ask because you know the the worst that they can do is say no and 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 I don't have a problem with no <laughs> so so you but you just want to you know ask and and, and I think that Danielle gave great advice in this yeah. so I have a final question but I really want to ask this one in between that final question it's okay. this you know so they say no because I think women sometimes don't even want to ask because we don't like what what are you going to do after they say no right they say no what are some scripts or what are some strategies of what people, what would you encourage women to do after a company says no, even though we know we want them to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that's, that's good because yes. so I, always, I always talk about how I have successfully negotiated my salary five times, which means that five times I've asked and they said yes and make me there. But overall, there's been about eight times in my career that I have asked. So I have received a no before. Um, and what, when I asked and they said no, what they said to me was, but in a year's time, we will evaluate you. You'll be up for, you know, a percentage increase at that time after a year. I had a decision to make. Um, I knew what, how much money I needed to make just to survive. Um, I'm debt free now, but at that time I was also in debt and I knew how much money I needed to accomplish my debt free goals. Um, since I was on that journey. And I had to really think about it and say, if I accept what they're offering me, they're not willing to meet what I've asked. And they're telling me a year from now, I will get, I think it was like a $5,000 increase. Can I meet my financial goals? Can I survive and pay my bills? And the answer to that was no. And as scary as it was, because I was unemployed at the time, I had to walk away from the offer completely. So I think that you have to weigh Um, where you are in your life and are you in a position where you can say no and walk away and wait for the right opportunity to come or do you accept 
that um, job and hope that, um, you know, you can get the increase that you're looking for later. But you really have to weigh that. It's very circumstantial and situational based on where you are in your life. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny too is, is um, I have realized, and I'm sure it's, it's commonplace knowledge, you make the best decisions at the salary negotiation salary negotiation table when you've done the hard work of analyzing your budget, mm-hmm. your worth, the market rate, and recognizing your marketability for the next opportunity. Because I think sometimes yeah. people might be entering into negotiation tables and they have only like secured one opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. it's either this or nothing. When really there probably are five other companies that might be willing to interview and talk you know, hire you on the spot or negotiate with you the salary that you desire. Mm-hmm. Great points. Hey, you're right, because that, it becomes an emotional conversation then. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to make a decision based off of emotion. Going yeah. back to when I talked about, it's facts. These are the facts. This is how much my bills are. I need to pay off this debt. This is how much I made at my last job. This is what I'm bringing to the table, and that's it. And if you haven't done that research and you're not armed with that, then you're going to go off of emotion and fear because you're afraid to lose the opportunity. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Well said. Well said. Very. For sure. I don't even have anything to add. That was just amazing. <laughs> well, I think that I think that just in my experience, I can say in terms of the, in terms of receiving a no. Yeah. Um, evaluating as as Danielle mentioned that point where you know is is this a deal breaker for me you know how do i feel about the fact that they've told me no and if you can move forward you know with the fact that they told you no you know great cuz because I guess I'm one of those people that ask in situations where even if the salary, if the initial salary comes back and it's favorable and it could be 10,000 more than I currently make, I am still going to make the ask for more because I don't know what they're going to say. Now I've been told no in that situation. And then, you know, at that point I did make the decision. Well, Hey, it's already 10,000 more than my current salary. But I had to go for it because that's just always my mindset to, you know, to ask and see what will happen. It could be a favorable outcome and then I'm winning even more. So in those situations, I think everything that you ladies have said is is right on target, right on point is that just to know yourself, know the market, know, know what's out there. um, Because the worst feeling sometimes is to, you know, have them say no. And either they've after either they've lowballed you or you're taking an opportunity just because you feel like you're desperate and you need to. And then you're sitting in a role where, you know, six months down the road, you find out someone else that has probably less experience than you has been hired at a higher salary. And you're like, what in the world just happened? And then you're full of all types of emotion that we just talked about, right? Even other types of floods of emotions are are coming there. So just knowing what's important to you and being able to live with that decision um, Mm -hmm. after they've come back and say, no, at that point it's about you, you know, but you really work to ask. Thank you guys for sharing that. My last and final question is this, ladies, do you feel like there's any, um, there's any other way in which women, even men are leaving money on the table when it comes to mindset to money moves? Mm, That's a good one. How are we leaving money on the table? Um, I think this ties back into the part one conversation that we mm-hmm. had 
-hmm. and just the other things that we need to be doing to make sure that we are driving our career in the direction that it's going in. When I was just kind of stagnant and letting my career happen to me instead of deciding where I wanted to go, nothing was changing. Nothing was moving. Um, and so it's like we just, it, it, Candace talks so well about this. It's like you just have to be really intentional. Yeah. Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to do in your career to make sure that you're, you're headed on the right trajectory to get there? Yeah. Uh -huh. I think that starts to set you up to make the income that you really want to make. But if you're not doing anything, if you're just getting up, going to work, coming home, getting up, going to work, coming home, then don't, don't expect your income to change. Yes. It's not going to fall in your lap. Right. Yeah. I would, I would totally say that. I, I would say um, to piggyback on that, I, I love what you just said, Danielle, about if you're just going, you know, home, work, you know, and then chilling out, watching your TV shows, and then going back to do the same thing the next day, you're not, a, so I think a good way we, uh, or, or not a good way, but, but a key way we leave money on the table is not, you know, we have a job, we get comfortable, and we don't assess our worth or the market value that we bring during that job that we've become comfortable in. So what I mean by that is take that resume of yours, polish it up and put it out there, you know, every year, even if you love your job, put it out there because the market could have increased, you know, in terms of what your value and, and you can be leaving money on the table if money is a motivator for you. Because for some, it's not, right? Because, you know, for me, I care about fulfillment and a number of things going to that. And it's not necessarily the number one motivator. Mot motivator. But, you know, for some of us making those money moves, that the, the mighty green dollar is everything, right? So <laughs> absolutely everything. And just making sure you're constantly assessing, you know, if I put my resume out there, you know, who's calling me back? And what are the offers and, and what does the market look like, you know, because there are opportunities out there that maybe are for you, you know, along that next move in your career. And you can have the opportunity to have a salary that is 15,000 more doing the same thing that you're doing now, you know, but you have mm -hmm. to assess that value as you're going along that journey. Um, and then just to add one little nugget, and I've said this before, when we talk about leaving money on the table, it's all of those other, you know, some people may even call them, the, you know, now I won't say the intangible things, but the things that are part of the package when someone offers you. So that flex time, all of those other things, like making sure that we're negotiating those things up front, because that it equates to money when you think about the bottom line, you know, PTO days and different things. Even if you could get two or three more, you know, don't leave that money on the table. Ask for as much as you can get if you think it will help you. You know, it's funny. I have um, no other concrete thoughts or practical tools on how not to leave money on the table. But one thing that I'm realizing that causes people to leave money on the table in mass is really these um, these beliefs that are just mm. myths about why not to ask. Yes, these so true. In the way. Um, and they really cause you to be not confident, not ask, uh, not assert yourself and not see the pain points. Cause even when you're working internally and there's positions that are available for you to advance, you know, way, way in an, in an accelerated way than normal, I think it's very easy for people to think, well, 
I can't do it because maybe they won't allow me to get paid more. Whatever small thoughts about money, um, it's 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 sort of like the, a little bit of a poverty mindset uh-huh. mixed uh-huh. with a lack of faith. And you mentioned this, Candice, self-belief. Yes. Know? It's like not asking the question, um, why not me? Why You should ask that question. Definitely. Why not me? Uh, so Definitely. this is a great way. I just appreciate you guys for talking at length and thoroughly about money strategies and mindsets to money moves, because I think it's going to help a lot of women understand that, hey, you have to be intentional. Like you said, Candice, you have to constantly be aware of the market rate of the work that you're doing, the value that you bring. And Danielle, understanding that I feel like one of the things that I love about what you said, Danielle, over the course of this conversation is that confidence is a skill and you have to be aware of how to build that muscle and and practicing that this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation, but once you build that muscle, right. I love it. it. You can do it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So ladies, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And I look forward to doing other round tables, hopefully in the future. Yes, that would be awesome. Thank you for allowing us on this platform and for even creating a space to have these very important conversations. Agreed. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. podcast episode has been brought to you by People's Insurance Services, where protecting is caring. If you're looking for competitive rates for your auto, home, or commercial insurance needs in Florida, call 954-733-8500. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed this episode, please take the time to hit subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher.